That's just a little bit of a snapshot of our video world over the last couple of years. Pretty good stuff, huh? Yeah, pretty amazing. Do, do you know what kind of church I want to become? I want to be a church where people, all people, can take next steps. All people toward God, no matter who they are, what they've done, that they can take next steps toward God and with God. And do you know what I mean by all people? I mean everybody. I mean everybody, all people. And what I mean by everybody is this. I mean religious people and non-religious people. I mean people who are really good at sinning and people who live like saints. I want both to be able to take next steps toward God and with God here. I, I want a place where, where it doesn't matter your past, where it doesn't matter who you come from or what people group you're part of, where white people and black people and Latino people and rich people and poor people and everybody in between in the mix of it all can take next steps toward God and with God. Amen? We're, we're, we're married people and single people, and young people, and old people, and straight people, and gay people can all take next steps toward God and with God. I want to be that kind of church where all people realize that they matter to us, and that they matter to God. And I'm talking about the kind of people who like, who who eat granola every day, and run 10 miles, and walk around with purified water, and those people who eat anything, and drink anything, and smoke anything, if you know what I mean. I want them all to be able to take next steps toward God, and with God. I want to be the kind of church who, where, where people who have been running all of their lives for years, even decades of their life, who've been running toward him, who have been on this journey with him, can figure out the next step that they can take with God. And, and at the exact same time, I want to be the kind of church where people who have hardly even thought about their relationship with God who have lived a life of rebellion toward God, who have lived a life of, uh, of, of regret and, and, and disbelief even, can find at least one step that they can take toward God. Amen? I want both to know that they are loved. And I want everybody in between to know that they are loved and that they are wanted in this church and they, they can belong here and that they too can take a step toward God and with God. And you should expect to hear more of this over the, uh, over the next coming year because we're in this whole process, a very difficult process of trying to figure out better systems where our people, people who connect into our little church here, can take steps toward God, whether they have been trying to journey with Christ for 50 years of their life or just brand new. We're trying to figure out ways that we can help people take next steps because we believe that all people, all people need a next step when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to prayer and devotion with God, when it comes to community life together, when it comes to reaching out beyond themselves. I I believe all of us can take next steps with God. That's our vision. Y'all with me on this? That's our vision. That's who we want to become. That's the kind of people that our church needs to become. And as a church, um, we want to be a church where, where next steps are facilitated, promoted, and even expected out of people. And, and for some, listen, those next steps are, uh, uh, for some, it's, it's like huge steps for you. Because you came in, there, and I talked to folks, listen, I've talked to people who've come in here, and it's like 
like they just walk into this place and it's like a huge step in their life all at one time. I mean, there are people who came in and they've shared with me. They say, Jay, I got to tell you, I got to tell you. Um, when I walked into Metro for the very first time, I was so broken. I was so wayward. I was so lonely. I was so lost. I was so full of regret. I was so full of hurt. And I walked in there and I don't even understand what happened. But second I walked in, it was like something came alive inside my soul. It was like a rebirthing of sorts inside of me. And I can't even explain it, but it was like just one massive step forward. Some people have said, hey, listen, the very first day I walked in, the band started playing. And from the very first song, Chad sang. It was like a whole new world opened up to me. One that I never even knew existed. And it was like, it was like, people have said this, like, like God's spirit just fell on me and I cried all the way through the service. Matter of fact, I didn't come back for three weeks because I knew I'd cry all the way through your stupid service. People have told me that, but they decided to come back. This time they just said they were gonna bring tissue and they were okay with that, right? Huge, huge steps. There are some of you who are like that, where, where you've walked into here and it has been huge steps forward in your life. There are some in this room that there's been, you'd go, wow, God is definitely at work in my life in big ways. God is at work in my marriage. God is at work in my home with my children. God is at work in big ways with my attitude, with my heart. He's dealing with my past issues. He is, he's changing me in ways that I never dreamed possible. And I'm becoming a different person than I ever thought I would become. God is at work in, in huge ways. Now, others of you, it's not these big steps. For you, it's like baby steps. They're steps, but there's baby steps. And that's okay. I know some of you, and I know who you are. I see you. You walk in like you're all up and cool and everything. Like, like you could take it or leave it being here. I know who you are. You slip in late. You got your arms crossed. You stand in the back, and it takes you half the service to find a seat. I know who you are. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, somebody asks you, like your friend asks you, your, your wife asks you, your, your, your mama even asks you, how was that Metro thing you went to? And you're like, yeah, man was pretty good. The, the preacher guy, he's got to go, but that, that man's good. And I know, I listen, I know, whole bunch, whole bunch walking here with doubts, you doubt God loves you. You doubt that God's even real. That if he is real, that he wouldn't even have a role in your life. You doubt that that would be ever possible. You have a past that's so thick. Even if you do believe in God, you doubt that he could ever do anything with you because your past is just so, so broken. But, but you know, if you're honest, there's been baby steps in you. Many of you keep coming back. Some of you have been in and out of here for five, 10 years. And, and, I, and that's okay, because I know, and I've talked to you, there, there are these baby steps going on. I, I met a guy the other day at the Riverview campus. We were working late at night, one night there, and this fellow comes up to me, and I won't tell you his name, because a lot of you guys may know this guy, and he comes up and goes, Jay, I just got to tell you, I just got to tell you, I got to tell you, I just gotta, I've been looking for the opportunity to tell you. He goes, man, I don't even know how to explain it. He goes, he goes I don't even understand how it happened. But he says, I found this place. I came into Metro through Renew. And he says, I was addicted to all kinds of stuff. And all I know, he says, I'm different now. I'm different now. I'm different now. One step at a time, very small, baby steps. But steps. And friends, I want to be 
a people who embraces next steps where everybody, all people, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, good or bad, that you can find next steps toward God and with God in your life. Um, yeah, and, so, and so I want to talk just for a few minutes about how do we become uh, this kind of church? How do we, how do we make it to, to that? How do we become this kind of, of people? Well, I, I think there's some steps. And, and here's the very first one. If we're going to become this next step kind of church, the metro has to become the safest place on earth for people to talk about anything. I mean, let me say it a different way. Let me say it a different way. Um, the church, and that would be us, ought to be the safest place on the planet to talk about anything. Anything. And guess what I mean by anything? Anything. And anything means everything. Where, where, where it's an open book in here. Where there's not like, oh, we don't deal with that. Oh, wait, if that's you, you're not welcomed here. Uh-uh. That this is the safest place on, on the, in the world, to, on the planet, to talk about anything, including doubts about God himself, about God's existence, including issues of addiction, uh, divorce, and loneliness, and regrets. I remember one lady comes up to me, and uh, she had some real deep regrets, real deep in her life. Apparently, some 20-something years ago, um, she was young, and she got pregnant, out of wedlock, and in, and in her little world, she felt there were no options, no options at all. She found herself in an abortion mill, people putting pressure on her, and she ends up taking the life of her own baby. She knew it was wrong. She regretted it then. She regrets it today, and she tells me, for 20-something years, I haven't told a soul, not a soul. And I never thought I could ever find my place in the church because of all places I couldn't talk about my past, it would be the church. Friends, the church ought to be the safest place on the planet to talk about anything and everything in between. Church ought to be the safest place to talk about anything. And that includes, listen, that includes same-sex attraction issues. Hmm, the church ought to be the safest place to talk about anything. Yay, Pastor Jay. And then we go, well, the church ought to be the safest place on the planet to talk about same-sex attraction issues. And then we go, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want those folks in here. We don't want to deal with that stuff in here. As if our issues are way better than their issues. But the church ought to be the place where young people, where our junior hires and where our high schoolers and where our young adults and anybody struggling with any sexual issue should be able to learn from this place, should be able to grow from this place, should be able to find their answers from this place. Amen? Amen. Anything should be on the table here. Anything. Metro, we cannot allow another generation of same-sex attracted young people to be pushed outside of the church. Uh, and listen, we cannot allow another generation of addicted people to be pushed outside of the church. We cannot allow another generation of doubting people, divorced people, living together people, bitter people, questioning people, prideful people, lying people, cheating people to be pushed outside of the church. 
And I know what you're thinking in your mind. You're thinking like, what are you saying, Jay? Well, are you saying like anything goes like around here? Are you like, are we just disregarding God and his leadership and the scriptures and all that? No. I'm saying what I'm saying. We cannot allow another generation of soul-searching people to find their answers outside of these walls. We can't. We've done for generations now. Telling people, you clean up, then you can come. You get it all right, then you can come. You look like us, you act like us, you think like us, you believe like us, then you can come and be among us. It's got to stop. It's got to stop with us in the Down River community. Amen? And Jesus said it this way. Listen to the words of our Savior. The one who loves us. The one who provides leadership and direction and hope for all of our lives. Here's how Jesus says it in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. John records Jesus' words and he says this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your what? For your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And, and I get it. Listen, I get what other people say. Because when, when, when you start to have a church like this, they're gonna go, wait, wait, let me get this straight. You let anybody into your walls? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Wide open doors. Wide open. Anybody who wants to come who is weary and burdened. This is the place for them. Listen, I, I get it because I've been doing this church thing for, for a long time. When, and I don't know that as a church if we're even going to be quite ready for this. But I hope you're ready for this because when you're part of a church that, uh, you know, that throws the doors open to the world, other churches talk about you. You get this. And they've talked about us because I know because they've talked to my face about it. And, and they go, oh, yeah, I get it how you guys are. You guys just let anything go in that place. You just let anything happen in that place, don't you? You just think it's all good and it's all fine and that you disregard God and his leadership in the Bible. I'm like, really? Really? Did you actually graduate high school? That's what I want to say to them. But let me ask you something, friends. Do we not agree that people who are struggling with sexual identity sexual issues in their life are pretty burdened? Do, do we not agree that people who are struggling with divorce or maybe just went through, made a tragic mistake in their life and they had an affair, do you not think that they are burdened? Do, do you not think that the lady who is struggling with being alone in her life and just wants community, wants friendship, is burdened? Do, do you not think that the guy who has spent a lifetime turning to alcohol for his answers, do you not think he is wary of that? Well, Jesus said, if that's you, then you are welcomed here. You're welcomed in my place. Listen, this is not our church. This is his church. And he says, the place that is safest, the the place where the burden can be let down, the place where this can be talked about is among us, among my people, because it's safe here, because my burden is light. You come, you come. You come, and that means to me and you that we open our doors and we let them come. Let me tell you something, friends. I think that church is good for people. 
I think our church is really good for people. And there are gay people in our community. And there are people who drink too much in our community. And there are people who live together outside of marriage in our community. There are people who are married but on the edge of divorce in our community. There are people who have doubts. There are people who, who don't believe at all. There are people who, who cuss like sailors and lie, lie too much and, and smoke too many stupid stuff. And, and there are people who are broken in every conceivable way. And I think that church is good for them. And I think that community is good for them. And I think that Jesus is good for for them, and our church ought to be the place that gives them that. That gives them that. That's the kind of people where, we, where people that we want to become, where we can say, you come here, and you can find rest for that soul, because I know that that soul of yours is heavy right now. And you can't live under the burden of that any longer. And there's hope, and there's a new direction for you. And you can find that here. You're welcomed in this place. And so we got to create this place that's safe for people to talk about anything. And here's the second thing where I think we got to go as a church. And I don't mean to, um, to, to offend anybody. I don't mean to get anybody mad about anything here. But this is just where I think that we need to head. There's some stuff that we got to work on as a people. And here's the second thing is that the church must stop expecting outsiders to act like insiders while insiders act like the outsiders. Some of you all don't know what to do with that, so I'm just going to say it again to you, all right? Listen, um, the church must stop expecting outsiders to act like insiders while insiders act like the outsiders. And this took me a long time to get. Uh, This is not an easy thing for me personally because I am so evangelical conservative, it is ridiculous, I'm going to tell you, honestly, like if you were to think of liberal and conservative, if you understand all that kind of talk, I'm so conservative that I kind of, if you think of like a line and it wraps around the globe, I am so conservative that I wrap around and now I'm on the back end of the liberals. I mean, I go right around the globe. That's how I am. I'm so conservative that I'm like Amish, right? But I'm going to tell you something. But, but this idea of expecting those outside of the church to act like those inside of the church drives me crazy and I'm just figuring this out in my life. Because as long as we keep saying things like, well, the prophet Isaiah says, as long as we keep talking to the people in the office and go, well, don't you understand what Micah says? And Joel says? And the great minor prophet, you know, so-and-so Habakkuk says? Or don't you know that Jesus says? Well, What are we expecting? They've never claimed to care a lick about what Jesus says or the scriptures say. And as long as we keep demanding that they do, when they don't, we look stupid. And we lose our influence on them. And we lose our ability to communicate to them in a real way that makes any difference in their life. You see, here's how the New Testament scriptures speak to Christian people like many of us in this room, not all of us, I get it, but many of us in this room who claim to be part of the body of Christ, who claim the name of Christ. Here's what, what, what it, how it speaks to us about how to, to reach other people, how we should treat people who are outside of the body of Christ. And again, I don't know what took us so long to get this. This is not a hard thing to understand, but the church has so much struggle with this. I mean, listen, listen, listen. There are a lot of things in the Bible that I don't get. But I get this. This seems so simple, it's ridiculous to me. 
But here is what the scripture says to me and to you. For those of us inside of the church, Paul was writing to the earliest church and he literally was saying, you gotta get this right. You gotta figure out how to be the right kind of people in order to to, to make a difference in this world. And this is what he says. He says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. He says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those where? Inside the church. Who's going to judge those outside? God will judge those outside of the church. And so Paul asks this really big question, what business is it of mine to put all these expectations, all these judgments, all this condemnation on those outside of the church? And you know what his answer is? He says, none, zero. It's not your business at all. As a matter of fact, you're not God. Is anybody in the room God? Just speak. We're clear on that, right? says it ain't your business matter of fact he, he says you might want to try judging somebody else you you might want to try judging your little life group who you're friends with your little clique the other Christian people that you're, you're part of the church with he says Who's, what business is it of yours to take care of those outside not at all but inside woo, you better get that thing going on Right, you better figure out how to work on you. You, you see, um, in other words, the church must stop expecting outsiders to act like insiders when those of us on the inside have trouble acting like it ourselves. He says we need to work on us, that somehow we have got to focus on us. If we are going to reach them, we've got to first, what, take next steps in our own relationship with God, to become more like Jesus. You see, somehow we've got this us versus them mentality going on. We got this, you know, us versus the world. It's, it's not us versus the world. It's us for the world. Somebody needs to say amen, because that is good preaching right there. It is us for the world. We are to be salt and light in this world. We are called of God to make a difference in this world, to make this world better. It's not us versus them. Oh, they're screwing it all up. Yeah? Now let's go be an answer to it. Let's make this place better. You see, here's the problem. We look at them and we go, those people are the problem. They're the problem. That group over there, God's really mad at them. God's really mad at them. And yet, we go home and we treat our wives poorly. We go home and we treat our brothers and sisters poorly. We, we go home and we ignore our kids and ignore the responsibilities. And we go home and we watch what they watch and we listen to what they listen to and we waste money like they waste money and we waste time like they waste time and we're full of pride like they're full of pride and we're full of arrogance like they're full of arrogance and we're full of selfishness like they're full of selfishness and we have the nerve to point our finger at them as if they're the ones messing up the world. We gotta stop. It just seems to me like we gotta work on us. Amen? We've gotta work on us. We gotta fix it in here first before we can fix anything because listen, if we just start working on us a little bit, my guess is, and I could be wrong about this, but if we started to work on us a little bit and we started to look a little bit more like Jesus, I'm thinking that more of them would want to look like more of us. And it would take care of itself a little bit. I really believe this. Now, this gets up and crazy, I know, but just 
try this for a second, okay? Now listen, if every Christian would not worry about, the, about other people outside of the body of Christ except to love them and would focus, just focus on, on taking our own next steps to become more like Jesus, my guess is that our world would look a whole lot better. We would feel, listen, we would feel, physically feel the presence of God come alive in our community. We would feel our nation and our culture starting to change. I really believe this. And, and so this means, I'm just saying this. Now listen, you can do whatever you want. I, you, I'm not telling you, you, got, you, you it's up to you. you. You do whatever you want. But I'm just saying that if, if a, a whole bunch of the Christians who call themselves Christians, who identify as Christians, who identify as followers of Jesus on their own volition in the United States of America, if a whole bunch of them were to, let's just say for like six months, Let's just say for six months, if they would stop looking at porn and buying weed and smoking weed, our whole world would be different. Oh, I got more. Now, hold on. No, I'm thinking that a whole bunch of us who take on the name of Jesus, if we would work on us first and we would stop for, let's just say, six months, just six months, stop watching things that take our hearts away from God, listening to things that take our hearts away from God, if we would stop looking at women undressing themselves, if we would purify our own souls, if we would stop engaging in things that destroy faithfulness, that destroy purity, that destroy holiness inside of us, I'm not even sure we can do six months. Let's cut that. Three months. A whole bunch of you go, I can't do six months. You can do three months. I'm just thinking if a whole bunch of us, if three-month vacation from things like porn and weed and drinking too much and cursing like a sailor and sex outside of marriage and negativity, if we were to take a three-month vacation from rudeness and cheating and lying and deceiving and laziness, I'm telling you, if we were to get this right inside of our, our, our church, this community would know it. This community would know it. The world would know it. And my guess is more of them would want to look a little bit more like us. I'm just thinking if, if, if we just took three months and kind of worked on getting our own act together, if, 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 uh, if, if let's say people inside of the church stop playing the blame game and pointing fingers and, and having this uppity attitude, but instead just started working in our own hearts. I'm thinking this, if, if just for three months, in the next three months even, if, if some families, like in our little church, adopted some kids or fostered some children or served the kingdom of God in some way that you normally would not serve, our world would be better, wouldn't it? It would be better, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I think we've got to get to this point where, where the insiders start acting like insiders in order to affect the outsiders who are acting like outsiders. Uh, you know, we can't expect outsiders to agree to act like something they never agreed to act like but we've agreed to act like it. We've agreed to bow our lives before Jesus. Not all of you, I get it. But a whole bunch of us have given our hearts and our souls to God. We've thrown our lives before him. And yet, we don't look that much different than the outsider. We've got to work on us. We need to somehow take Next steps. So, so why don't we, as Christians, just knock it off for a while, right? 
It just knocked off, you know, the whole pointing of fingers. It's fun to blame other people. I get it. You know, the president is ruining everything. Those Democrats are ruining everything. Those Republicans are ruining it. Depends on your persuasion, right? Those people in Hollywood. It's just fun to, to blame somebody else. We got to work on us. We got to fix us inside. Um, but, but listen, those of us who claim to follow Jesus, it must be different with us. We condemn gay marriage, but our own marriages are falling apart. We, we, we can, listen, we condemn druggies and alcohol, but we go to the, to the doctor for prescription meds to medicate our pain away. We, 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 we condemn uh, the, the, uh, uh, certain entertainment and certain uh, movies, and yet, listen, a whole bunch of us have a pipeline right into our living room of some of the worst stuff on the planet. And you know it. Listen, there's hardly a week that goes by in my little office right here at this church that I don't meet with somebody who says, man, my marriage is falling apart and pornography is at the dead middle of it all. If you don't think it's affecting people, you, know, you don't think it's going to catch up to you, you are wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. And I tell, I tell people all the time, well, do you have filters? I mean, how many times have I talked about in front of the church? We need to protect our homes. We need to protect our hearts. We need to protect our minds. We need to be transformed in our minds. Do you have filters on your life? Do you have some accountability in your life? No. Maybe we should start working on us. We, we want our children to raise to new levels of living. We want our children to set new standards in the world. We want them to achieve much in this world. And we wonder why they're underperforming. We, we wonder why um, that, they're, that they just have this uh, lazy spirit about them, why there's no, no passion for God in their life. We, we wonder why they're sexually out of control. We wonder why they're disrespectful. It's because we parent the same way the world parents, but we expect different results. We need to work on us. We need to work on us first. All right, now that I made everybody mad, let's go on to number three real quick. <laughs> no, 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 I got one more thing. Listen, let me tell you this. I mean, this idea of working on us is so important. It's critical. You know, think about this idea that the scripture says that we are to one another, we are supposed to get good at anothering one another. You ever thought about this? Another, one another? You know, talking about the scripture says over and over, love one another. We got to get good at anothering, right? It says, show grace to one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, lift one another, pray for one another. Who doesn't love and who's not attracted to people who are good at one anothering? I mean, think about this. Like none of us, nobody, I don't know anybody in the world or inside or outsiders, it doesn't matter. I don't know anybody who, who, uh, who goes, no, 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 honey, I'm sorry. You are so patient with me. You are always so patient with me. And I just, it's driving me crazy. Nobody goes, you know, I'm really tired of this being faithful to one another. I don't know a wife that ever goes to their husband and goes, hey, uh, I'm really kind of ticked off about your faithfulness to one another thing. I, I would love for you to just be a little less faithful. Who does that? Nobody. And if we, inside the church, could figure out the one anothering, my guess is those on the outside would want to look a little bit more like those on the inside. They'd want to come. My guess is, y'all, y'all hearing me on this? Y'all with me on this? 
And, and so to me, friends, if, 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 our, if our mission is to, to somehow encourage people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, this is the way I see our church. This is the vision. This is the way I see that we've got to become in order for this to happen, in order for people to become fully devoted to Christ. We've got to lock a vision on of what that looks like. And so we have just got to become a church that says, this is the safest place on the planet for you to come and to ask those questions, for you to come and, and to, 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 to bear your soul a little bit, that it's safe for you to be here. And, and the second thing is that we've got to stop expecting outsiders to act like insiders while insiders act like outsiders. We've got to fix this. We've got to work on us. But here's the third thing, and I'm just going to share it real quick, but this is so ridiculously important. We have got to be a church that figures out how to really engage the world around us. And we think we're good at that now. We think we've made some strides. I think we have. But we've got to figure it out. We've got to lock into this. We've got to figure out how to be modern, relevant, different. This isn't just a little slogan we put on some signs around here. This is the kind of people that we have to become, a kind of community that we have to become. We have to somehow figure out how to engage people. Listen, I, I wonder... Uh, as, you know, there was a time that the church was the driving force of culture. There was a time that the church was the center of, of architecture and art and medicine and education and music and vocational training. There was a time that the church was the center of the community. But I'm guessing that if most churches went out of business, the community right around them wouldn't even care. And I wonder... If Metro was to shutter the doors, would it make any difference at all in our world? Would it make any difference at all in our community? Or would we be just another vacant building in the Down River? Listen, friends, this is what Paul said to the early church, to some of the earliest people who are trying to impact the culture around them. This is what he says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Listen very carefully. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, say this with me, so that by all possible means, I might save some. He says this, I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. I do this, listen, I become all things by all possible means in order to to leverage all of our resources to reach people who are outside of the body of Christ. And that's why as a church, we want to leverage everything at our disposable, uh, disposal to reach people with the love and the grace of God. We want to use modern art. We want to use modern music. We want to use technology to reach people. We want to leverage modern, uh, uh, modern and relevant buildings that are right smack dab in the middle of the marketplace and business districts where people shop and work and play because we want to be seen as part of their life, as, as normal part of our community. Amen? Uh, this, is, this is why we don't put up crosses around our buildings and this is why we don't expect you to wear dresses and, and wear suits to, to come to church. It's so that, and this is why we use rock and roll and the lights and the video so that by all possible means we might save some. We are banking. Listen, we are banking. We are spending the bank. We are spending your money leveraging the idea that modern, relevant, and different will reach our culture. That they're tired of the old. That they're tired of the, the church that has shuttered its doors and, and looks down at them with the, you know, that, that, that 
air of judgment. We're done with that. We've got to figure out how to get into their world. And whatever their world looks like, we've got to figure out how to engage them for the sake of the gospel. Amen? And, and this is why we're, we're spending so much of your money building a gymnasium at our Riverview building because we think we can engage people with the gospel through sports. This is why we're spending $100,000 on a stupid playscape for kids and building a restaurant to go with it. Why? Because we think we can engage parents through their kids and through their stomachs. That's it. That's why we're doing it. Because we want to reach people by all possible means. And this is why our church is so geared toward young people. Hear hear me on this. I say this often, but I don't want us to miss the heart of this. Older people like me, I'm 44 years old. Older people like me, we need to purposely give the gospel and the church to younger generations. Because if we don't reach the younger generation, they won't be reached. If we don't give them the gospel, the gospel will stop with us. And we cannot let that happen. We can't. We can't let it happen in the country or the world, the country, or in our little community. We are called by God to do whatever we can by all possible means. The church, listen to me, friends. Um, We we want to reach them. The, The church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. Education is so important. Healthcare, so important. Money, so important. Vocational things, so important. It's all very important. But listen, the church holds the breath of God. We are the dispensers of grace and human redemption through the Holy Spirit of God working in and among us. What we do matters for now And for all of eternity, we have got to figure out not how to entertain people. People go, oh, you people at Metro, you just want to entertain them. You got a guy up there with dreadlocks down to here. What? No, 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 no. No, no. Don't let anybody ever tell you it's about entertaining anybody. It is about engaging the soul. It's about being real and figuring out how to be real with the gospel to a real world, to real broken people who are in desperate need of a savior, just like you and just like me. We want to be a next steps kind of church. We want to somehow inspire our people to to act with excellence, to serve with excellence, to serve with passion, to engage fully in the work of God. And I pray to God that you will help me in this, that we will partner together, your family and my family, because what we do matter. So here's what I want to do. I want to end with this. I want to play you a little video. Um, our video team um, tricked me into creating this a little while back. Uh, all they did was they sat me down. And they said, hey, just talk about the early days of the church and why we started Metro around here all those years ago. Um, but I'm just reminded of just how important this is today. So I just want to play this for you again. You know, I didn't go to church a whole lot when I was a kid. I uh, went to a church that had a big organ that had big, huge things that were brass that made a lot of noise. And then um, I had a lot of questions about God, but we didn't always go to church, and so I did not, didn't get the answers that I needed. And uh, so I didn't go until I was about 14. 
I grew up in a non-practicing Catholic home. Religion just didn't play a big part of our lives really early on. And then my father became a Christian through a Bible study at his factory. And when that happened, everything in our home changed. I remember all of a sudden, my father brings this big King James Bible in, and, and all of a sudden, our family's doing devotions. And I didn't even know what we were talking about. But all of a sudden, we were talking about God, about Jesus, and about the Bible, and things of faith. And, and it literally just changed our lives. I started going to church because my mom had a friend who had a daughter, two daughters actually, who um, were relentless asking me to come to church with them and I did not want to go. And so finally one of them said, well, what about if you go to this Bible quiz thing with me? And I thought, well, that's not church. I, I'll go. And then through my teen years, uh, my interest in God grew and grew and eventually we found ourselves in a more traditional style, Bible styled church, right? And so I went. And when I went, I saw this boy. And the boy was really cute and he was really nice and he had something and these other kids did too that I did not have. And so I kept going and I kept learning and I kept growing and and uh, I went to this church camp, and it was there that I decided to make faith my own. And then I volunteered to go to camp and to be a counselor. And I'd never even been to church camp before. And the youth pastor came over, and he explained how I would explain salvation to someone. And then I got it. And I understood what I needed to do to be a Christian. I'd met Lynette during high school, and eventually we fell in love, and we got married, and... Uh, we wanted to do ministry together. Jeremy was called into youth ministry, and I was very happy about that because I really felt that I was called to be in youth ministry as well. Uh, we started a youth group, essentially. We started a youth ministry that was only the high schoolers. So Lynette and I had this growing business, and we had this growing youth ministry, and God used it, I think, in some pretty incredible ways. And, and we had about a hundred kids who would come every week and meet. Eventually we had a house of our own in Taylor and we had them meet there in our basement. They would crowd the whole room up and they would go up the stairs and try to listen so they could hear what was going on downstairs. Uh, but we came to this point where after doing youth ministry for nearly a decade, we realized that, um, that we needed a church, a church that was relevant, a church that was modern, a church that could speak into people's lives. We looked for a church where we could take these students that we had, and we couldn't find one. We couldn't find one that they liked, and we couldn't find one that we liked. And so the only alternative we could think of was to find, to make one. We decided back in 2000 uh, that we needed to launch a church, uh, a church that that would matter deeply in people's lives, that would, that would bring the gospel to people in a way that they could relate with. Some of the first memories that I ever had were in church, because my dad is a pastor, and I've grown up here. And my first memories of church were at Flat Rock High School, and me and my friends would always run around after church, playing hide-and-go-seek, and playing behind the curtains and everything. Who is the pastor of your church? My dad. What does your dad do at our church? Teachers. I was always told that I, I should believe, and I was told I should read my Bible, and I should follow God. But I decided after, I think I was about seven years old, that I was, I was going to put God into my heart because of my own decision, not just because of my parents. I decided that I needed Him personally. 
Well, I always thought Metro Kids was cool and fun, and my small group leaders taught me that um, God was real, and that kind of uh, pushed me to create my own relationship with God. I went to church, and then I went home one night, and he saved me. One, six so or five. I was five when it happened. I think, what? Six. Oh, no, it was seven? seven. Ah. Yeah. When I pull in the parking lot at Metro, I sometimes drive in maybe at 11 o'clock, 11.30, um, if I have to leave for some reason or if I have to be late. And I come in and I'm completely amazed when I come in, um, even in the parking lot, to think, look at this. And I'll talk to the kids and say, look, this is their church. This isn't just our church anymore. This is their church and all these people. And I'll stand in the back and, and I'll cry <laughs> because I'm just amazed at what God has done. God, has, over the years, has, has blessed this place. And, you know, I think it's made a difference in a, in a whole lot of people's lives. And I know it's uh, made a big difference in my family's life, being part of a community of faith that takes Jesus seriously and takes faith seriously and, and, wants, to, uh, and wants to do something for God's glory. My name is Lynette. Zachary. It's Maddie. It's Lincoln. Isaac. Jeremy. And we are Metro. Let's build together a Next Step Church. Together. Amen. Let's do it. Jesus, we come and just humbly bow before you and uh, give this place to you. I know so many people give so much, so much money, uh, so much time, so much passion, so much effort. God, we do it for your glory. We want people to know you. God, help uh, get us out of the way completely. Let us just be a place where people walk in and they see you. They see something radically different here where they can see that there's hope and, and forgiveness and a new direction for life. God, may your spirit pour out on us. Pour out on us, God. In Jesus' name.